BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, what's up? It's your boy, Joel Ortiz. And I want everybody to make sure that they subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Ininko. Yo, Tim, I hope all is well. You my guy. I know these interviews are not interviews. They're actually conversations, and I appreciate them all. Yara. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ice-T. I want you to do something for me. Make sure you download and subscribe Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews. With Tim I and Cal. It is old fucking official. Alright? Stop playing. Download and subscribe. Library rap. The hip hop interviews with Tim I and Cal. It's cold. Yes, sir, yes, sir. It's your boy Farrell March in the building. I need y'all to make sure you subscribe and download to the podcast Library Rap. Hip hop interviews with your boy Tim Einenkel. You already know. Like birds of a feather flying, circling together, but you're halfway crooks fitting perfectly together. Birds of a feather flying, circling together, but you're halfway crooks fitting perfectly together. Pause one. Welcome to Library Rap, the hip hop interviews with Tim Einenkel. Thank you so much for being here. What up, what up? So first, I want to know. Tell me the story behind Pause One. And I was talking talking to friends about it, and they right away said, "Definitely sounds like a graph name." Oh yeah, 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 for sure. So the one is is usually a dead giveaway. So when I was doing uh, I was doing graph. Well, I was you know just being a kid, you know, out there fucking around, and uh, I ran through a few names. And I was pretty much the last name that I had that didn't get burned. Um, Cause you know, after a while they find out who you are or whatever shit like that. So I ended up landing on that name, but right around that time, uh, some of my, some of my boys in the crew I was in, they, they weren't really painting as much. They weren't really out doing shit as much. They started doing drugs and like, you know, more, more people got into other shit. And uh, so I just became a wonder, but I would still hang out with certain people, whatever we, you know, we go to parties in different places and like get drunk and rap, but it was really just pretty much like a hobby, uh, you know, just to kind of join in here and there. I was terrible. I mean, a lot of us were. So, um, it wasn't something I took serious, but I ended up getting better at it. And it became one of those things where like, okay, now we go somewhere and somebody from another crew or another group of dudes, you know, and then it would turn into like a little freestyle battle kind of thing. So I would just rap under the name because I didn't have another name. I didn't have an MC name. So I was just that name. And then from there, 
I started getting known for that. Like, oh, he raps pretty good or whatever. And uh, but they knew me as that name. So I was like, all right, I'm kind of stuck with it. And I guess I probably, you know, if I wanted to change it, the time would have been when I kind of said, all right, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and that was like, I want to say I was about between, it was between 18 and 20 where I really made that decision and committed like, all right, music is something I want to do. And I probably should have came up with a different name then. But I think a part of it was just like, well, I already kind of built on this name and, and, you know, there's a certain generation of writers or, or people out here that knew me by that name. And I just kind of wanted them to know, like, fuck it, I'm gonna stick with it because I earned it out here, you know, doing, doing graph and, you know, getting up and all that. So I kind of, I, I guess a part of me wanted to bring some of that with me was like, nah, I'm just going to keep it. Cause that's why, I, that's why I started. Was there a, at the time of kind of learning your um, your your lyricist craft, right? Was there a artist that you were particularly listening to that said, "All right, this is kind of this is the bar I want to set myself to get to"? You know, like okay, if I could be half as good as this MC, then I know I made it. Um, you know what? It's crazy because it's it's a it's a pretty diverse group of people, but I want to say like you know, being being from LA, from out here, like a lot of the stuff that you're introduced to first is what you'd expect, you know, the gangster rap shit. But, uh, there was always some, some dudes that, you know, stood out more than others. Um, this, this is good. It's going to be an example. Not a lot of people might not know who he is, but, uh, it's Trey D. Trey D is from, uh, the East Siders. And, um, so did this a song, uh, uh, beware of my crew. And, uh, there's a bunch of, you know, like Warren G to G funk to, you know, death row, all that. Right. So this is like a branch off of that tree and they had this song and he was, uh, he just stood out. Like he just blew everybody away because I was at, at this point, I was aware of the difference between pretty much a rapper and an MC or a lyricist having, having listened to all these gangster rappers that are pretty much just saying, look, you know, I'll kill you. I got more money than you. I got more bitches than you and real yeah, ABC, you know, like too short is a good example. No disrespect, but too short didn't set out to be rock him too short. Wanted to do too short. So for me, it was coming from that and then being introduced to some guys that could actually like really put words together and like had, you know, multiple layers to it in the syllables and, and certain shit. And then, uh, being in school, uh, getting introduced to, uh, Nas and Wu and you know and all these other people and it opened up that whole world and then I started listening to that and um I was like okay uh I definitely don't want to sound like none of these dudes but I I I want that to be the bar where if I'm compared to them at all you know in any sense I'll be happy with that and uh some of those names I just mentioned you know Ice Cube's a big one Scarface uh the storytelling the realism and um, but on the flip side of that, it's like, you know, like I said, like the Nas's, um, you know, shit, Red Man. Like there's a bunch of different people because uh, he, he's a little more comedic. So some stuff is it, it, it's it's a real wide range. And I think I just kind of wanted to fall amongst that. 
You know what I mean? Right. Uh, yeah, I was I was listening to an interview of yours, you know, from years ago. But you talked about uh, being, a, you know, freestyling, then well, writing, then freestyling, then back to writing again. And um, I thought it was kind of interesting that journey that you took. Right? Um, what? But there's also lessons that you probably that I imagine these are lessons that you've also learned from each of these type of styles. Uh, what? What? Did, what was the kind of the major? What? 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 What were your major takeaways from? And, and how did each of these? How did freestyling help your writing? And how did writing help your freestyling? So what's crazy is like, you know, coming out here and, and, and the hip hop thing, you know, at, at the time it was like, even with every element was like, uh, you got to pretty much earn your spot. You got to fight your way in, right? Like you couldn't just show up and be like, yo, I'm, I'm the best out here. And I'll show you tomorrow though, you know, I'll show you tomorrow. And uh, you had to really actually do the shit. So like I said, in the beginning, it was just, you know, we get drunk, smoke weed and, and rap and, you know, kind of clown each other and whatever. And try our best to tell, you know, our little individual stories, but it wasn't polished by no means, none of that. But eventually like, cause I read a lot. So I read a lot. I, and I used to write a lot of stories when I was a kid. That was kind of my way. That was my escape was to write stories about, you know, certain shit. And uh, so putting, you know, putting things together like that in a writing sense, I already kind of had that. And uh, freestyling, I started to kind of blend the two, but we're really, took a turn was it went from freestyling and just kind of talking about, you know, what, what I went through through the day, what I'm trying to do and fuck these bitches and cops and this and this and whatever. Right. And then it turned into, uh, you know what, let me actually say some shit. Cause I really want people to, to hear my story. I want them to know like, you know, what to look out for or this or that, or how I feel about this. So I started writing stuff out, but I got turned into a weapon because I, w- I got better at freestyling. So like I said earlier, it would pretty much, my guy would go across the room and talk shit to that crew. And it's like, well, our guy's better than you. He's better than your guy. And then like, they'll come back and be like, yo, guess what? I got you. You know what I mean? Like he says he's better than you. And you'd have that whole thing. So now we're at a party and we're ciphering in the corner and I'm pretty much defending the crew's honor. Like I'm the one that they threw out there. And uh, I just started getting you know better and better at that. And it took me down that path and um, I started getting signed up for, for battles and I was winning pretty much all of them. Right. Uh, not to say I, I wasn't signed up for all of them, but I was winning the ones I signed up for a majority of them. So, but I was like, yo, this is, I didn't, I, I didn't want to do this. This isn't what I set out to do. Um, I just wanted to write, but you kind of get swept up in it cause you're winning money and people, you know, they know your name and this and that. But I was like, nah, I, w- I want to write. So I went back to that. But in the process of battling and things like that, I was like, all right, well, let me try to digest. Let me try to absorb and build the vocabulary so I don't run out of it. Let me try different patterns of rhyming and, you know, different things just to get just to get better. So if I did battle, I never wrapped myself into a corner. I never wrapped myself into a hole. And um, I'd always find, you know, a rebuttal. I, you know what I mean? Shit, shit like that. I, I was listening to an interview and you talked about how uh, people didn't know, people didn't realize what they were in terms of your skill level of a freestylist because probably because uh, because they saw you and you're Hispanic. Um, and, and you know, they would talk shit about how, like, you, you definitely, like, you can't do, you know, you can't rhyme because of, of your ethnicity. Um, did that ever, I mean, one, did that ever get to you? And two, like, did you ever feel like, all right, maybe I couldn't, maybe I shouldn't be doing this? But, 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 but if, even if so, like, what made you, 
what was that reassurance for you to keep going? I guess, I guess a big part of it, you know, to kind of address first is this, it's not like a poor me, like I'm not the only Hispanic dude on earth that raps, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so there's, there's a ton of people, you know, there's probably a super dope Cambodian dude that people were sleeping on. So it's just, it's like that. And I think it's because it, it's lazy and it's easier for people to say, Hey, if you're going to rap, you need to look like this. You need to sound like this. There's already, you know, an archetype. There's already, you know what I'm saying? There's yeah. something that's accepted, something that's accepted in the look and the sound. So showing up to places where I was genuinely just trying to be like, yo, my life's kind of shitty right now. I want to talk about this and this and this just kind of get shit off my chest in the session in the cipher. And it turns into, you know, they're coming at you, they're throwing subliminal shit, they're throwing jabs at you. And then now you got to turn into, to, you know, that mode where right. you're like, all right, well, no, I'm not chop you down now, embarrass you. And, uh, but, but that was one part of it. But I didn't I didn't realize like how deeply rooted it is in the music industry. So mo moving from, you know, the rapidy rap side and just trying to be dope into like actually trying to move records and, you know, talk to publicists and, you know, points and PR and all this shit. You're like, whoa, there's there's people out there that are really working against having somebody other than them succeed. Hmm. And, uh, but what, what kind of let me know that I was, I was good. I guess one of the most recent ones was, uh, I was in prison with Razkaz. And when I was in prison with him, that we used to have to go to these bullshit meetings, right? Some yeah. drug meetings. And, uh, cause pretty much if you had drugs on your record, you, you had to attend a certain amount of classes or whatever the fuck. So anyway, we we're in there and, uh, I was talking to him just randomly cause we had already kind of established like we were pretty cool and I, I was just telling him like yo man this shit's frustrating music wise whatever whatever and he's like he told me, reassured me and he pretty much said he's like yeah you know my people say that they got me he's like but your people say yeah but we got him nice and i was like oh shit my people feel that way like that's pretty fucking cool you know what i'm saying yeah and um because because it, it i didn't i didn't see it I didn't see it, but then I started to notice. I was like, you know what? That dude over there does kind of always ask me what I'm writing and he wants to hear. I was like, you know what? Cause I, I was oblivious to that. Like I didn't know people gave a shit about me. Mm. Um, you're kind of like, you know, you got your blinders on, but that one let me know like, all right, I'm, I'm pretty good. This guy's fucking one of the best ever. That's and he thinks I'm good. And he's telling me that, uh, you know, my people, are kind of they're, they're they're saying that I'm <laughs> I'm their representative in a sense. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's so dope. that was pretty dope. That's dope. Yeah, that's real cool. I, mean, I was gonna ask you like if there was like freestyle battle that you had that kind of reassured you that you were you know doing this well. But it seems like that conversation would be the conversation to have. That one, yeah, that was dope. That was years later. Like the, I think with the freestyle battle thing, um, you know what? I actually it was a losing experience. It was a losing experience. Because um, uh, Ganja K, rest in peace, from uh, Freestyle Fellowship. So I had did this battle in, it was in Orange County out here. And uh, I went through every round and I, I pretty much made it to the end. But I ended up losing. And I lost to, uh, it was rigged. I didn't know, I figured out the politics. But it was basically rigged to keep the prize money in the circle, in their own pocket, right? And afterwards, 
yeah, I was pissed. I was pissed. I was like, yo, that's diaper money. Cause I, at the time my son was real small. I wasn't really, I wasn't working and shit. So I was like, yeah, I was, I was mad. Plus, you know, I didn't want to, who wants to lose? <laughs> so I, I'm, I go outside and I'm, I'm trying to cool off cause I'm hot. And, uh, he, he, he followed me out and he's like, yo man. And he's just telling me, you know, this and this. He's like, I don't give a fuck what they said. You won. Da, 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 da. Cause he was just a host. He wasn't a judge. And, um, I'm like, yo, this dude is from Freestyle Fellowship, you know? It's like West Coast, like these these dudes are legendary, you know? Yeah. And for him for him to tell me that, that was a big one. Um, that was years before the the Razcast thing, but that was uh that was one of those things where it, it kind of let me know, like, all right, and it, it opened my eyes to the politics. And had he not said that, who knows? I probably would have been like, you know what, fuck this shit. But he went out of his way to to come tell me. And he even went on stage after and he's like, yo, I know you gave the money to that man, but my man right here took it. Da, da, da. Like he let it be known. And I was like, damn, he didn't have to do that. Right. But that was, that was really dope. That's dope. When you were, when you were in, when you, you and you and Razkaz were in prison together, was there a moment of not just conversation, but was there a collaboration, any sort of, not even, if, even if the collaboration didn't go anywhere, but it was there like collaboration in terms of writing and kind of showing each other their writing skill, your writing. You know, you know, what was crazy was, you know, I always wanted to ask him, you know, like, <laughs> yo, bro, like, how did you do this? And how did you come up with that? And, you know, you, you're just trying to like, uh, you're the apprentice, you know what I mean? The dude is, you know, master craftsman. And you're like, but I don't want to bother the guy. You know what I'm saying? And on top of that, like we are in prison and there's a lot of racial politics and there's a whole lot of stuff, lines that can't be crossed. So, I, you know, w- with all those things in play, I was like, you know what? I got to find a way to approach this. So. I ended up um, gradually, you know, building, you know, a rapport with him and talking to him. And like uh, he had like the dopest library in there. He had like uh, all all the books like I read. He had DMX's book. He has biography. He had a bunch of shit. And he had the, the best CD library, in my opinion. Like he had like Big Pun. He had a bunch of people in there. Dope shit. Tribe Called Quest, whoever. Like he had a lot of stuff. Mm. And uh, I would end up borrowing shit from him. I had a few things, too, that I would shoot to him or whatever. Eventually, I seen him. Uh, I seen a notepad on his on his bunk. Of course, I'm gonna ask him what he's writing. You know what I'm saying? Here's my chance. And I noticed on the side, on the, on the little you know outside the little margins on the side, he had like little little shit he wrote. And I I asked him like, yo, what's that? And he told me he's like, yo, when I write something, I like to leave myself notes on the side. And I was like, yo, that's pretty fucking genius, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that was like one of those moments like, oh shit. And you know what? I didn't want to ask him like, Hey bro, let's, let's, let's write a song. You know, we're in prison. Like we, we don't want to fucking be in here. Yeah. And it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to be creative in, in that environment. So I just, I stayed cool with them. And, um, what was dope was, uh, when I got out, I was working on my first mixtape that I had started it before I got locked up. I finished it when I got out. And um, I was working on my second one. I wrapped up the first one and I, I reached out like, hey, bro, you know, because he said, like, yo, hit me up when you get out. And nice. I asked him, like, yo, w- would you mind? Would you mind blessing me with something on this? Like, I'll take care of you. We'll figure it out. And it was just it was dope. It worked out. And um, he was like, hey, I'm working on this. Can you do a verse for me on this? Uh, I got a beat from Rapmatic from the Beat Junkies. And I was like, fuck yeah. But it was it was uh it was a sink or swim moment because I was in the studio with him and it was like he tells the engineer, Hey, pull up that beat, the the such and such beat. 
And I'm, you know, I'm sitting there like just kind of fly on the wall. He's like, yo, you got anything for this? I want you to jump on this. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went through my my notepad or whatever, and I just fucking pulled that one out the hat. Nice. Polished it up a bit, and I did it on the spot. And I think that that was, you know, his way of also saying, like, yo, okay, I saw you write rhymes in there, but this is showtime. Let's see if you can actually execute, you know, when there's pressure. And um, so I ended up on his Adidas album. And um, it was it was just a dope experience. I've learned a lot from him. Dude is, you know, he's definitely been like uh, a big brother. You know what I'm saying? And like still, I'm still a fan of his, you know. But yeah, that's that's uh, one of those experiences of, of you know, trying, trying to write together. But more more or less like getting something done at the right time uh you know you're speaking of lyrics your your face the facts songbook uh is made up yeah. of lyrics and notes about the songs and the covers made up of faces such as bruce lee dr Martin king richard pryor biggie john lennon and and so many others um First of all, why why sell a book with your lyrics in them? You know, there's some artists that think like you know they try to keep their lyrics sacred, right? But uh, this is out to the public. Why 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 do that? Why sell the book? Well, what I used to do when I was younger was uh, I used to go through uh, vinyl records and CDs like my stepdad's collection or you know whoever my mom whoever whoever had my uncles and I don't know why, but I'd be drawn to the words of it. So you pull out the sleeve of the vinyl record and on the, on the backside, it have, you know, all the rhymes, all the lyrics to it. And then, you know, you sing, you're singing along with it. You're kind of reading along with it. And I'm like, oh shit, that's a pretty deep line right there. You know, like as a kid, like it, it was meaningful. So um, then when I started getting into rhyming and, and writing my own shit, um, when I first dedicated myself to it, I went and I printed out, a shitload of verses from all the people that I consider, you know, the greats. And um, I would sit there and I would like highlight shit, circle shit. I try to reverse engineer, like how the fuck did he come up with that? You know? And um, not, not to take anything other than, um, other than the how I'm not taking, I'm not taking the what I'm taking the how. And just to kind of get into that space of thinking, like the perspective, the angle that they came from. And, I appreciated the fact that a lot of those lyrics were, were online. They weren't put up by the artists themselves, but they were available. A fan went and did it for them. Right. So with Face the Facts, um, you know, that was my first album. I listen to it now and, you know, there's parts where I cringe a majority of the time because I'm like, shit, I would have did it this way or I would have said it this way. Or, you know, I'm, I'm kind of my own worst critic like a lot of people, but, um, there's people to this day that remember lines from some of these songs. So I'm like, Oh shit, I've become what I used to look for. So I'm like, all right, well, if people want that, let me, let me put it in a book and not only write the rhymes in it, but also explain because, you know, for some people it was like, why would you put all these people on your cover? Right. Like kind of like, like Sergeant Peppers. It's like, why would you, why would you do that? What does it mean? And um, I, I, over time, it got a little tiring to explain the whole fucking thing. <laughs> but <laughs> so I would just be like, 
all right, well, this is basically face the facts. And like all these people inspired me, you know, they all faced their individual, you know, uh, shortcomings, all the obstacles, they, they did their thing and so on and so forth. So it's face the facts, you know, all that. Anyway, but yeah, I put it all in the book so people could people could have it, see it, read it. And um, what I'm noticing is uh, there's a there's a good amount of people that are buying them for their kids, which which surprised me because I I didn't think that was really going to happen. Somebody pointed it out like, hey, they're you're kind of keeping those people on the cover. You're keeping you're you're showing, you know, five year old kids who there's a video. This girl bought a book and her son's she's pointing out who everybody is. And he he, he knows who one or two of them already are. So what's dope is like there's going to be somebody who knows who, you know, Bruce Lee is outside of the movies, you know, like they're, they're going to see like and then and then go back and look for them and then learn their individual story, hopefully at a time when it's impactful to them. You know what I'm saying? Right. Kind of what you want hip hop to be, right? It's like you, you not just learn the lyrics, but also learn about the people that are even quoted, yeah. you know, talked about in the lyrics, but you obviously do it with a visual representation as well. Um, yeah. What is that? I, I, I was going to ask you about the pick three faces, but I, I, I'm going to ask you about this one face. If there's one face on that book, on that cover, that is your go-to kind of inspiration, which face would that be? And you, and you know, it's crazy. It's almost like, uh, it's like, um, it's like Marvel versus Capcom. It's kind of like a street fighter where like, those are all the guys I yeah. would pick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's like right now you're asking me like, shit, if I got to fight Magneto, like who would I pick? Um, so it's, it's, it always varies, but like, I look at it sometimes and then one will jump out, you know? Right. Um, it just, it, it depends, you know, it depends, but like, I can't say one is more meaningful than the other. There's nobody on there that, that, that I didn't want on there, obviously, you know, like, I think, I think with the MCs, that was a big one too, was like, you know, people were like, yo, you can't put them on there. And I'm like, well, fuck, why not? Well, you know, because they're going to think that you're trying to use these guys to sell your shit and they're not even on it. They're not even on the songs and this and this. And you don't even mention them in the songs. And I'm just like, I don't give a fuck about that. Right. You know, like it. the, the whole point is, is like they inspired me. So this is kind of my way of, you know, paying paying homage. That's dope. Um, I want to turn to the EP, uh, Random Act of Violence. Uh, it's a collaboration between Evolve and yourself. How how did this project come together? Especially, obviously, we're in COVID times. So, I mean, how did how did the project get together? So, uh, me and Evolve been cool for for a while. Like we uh, shit, we did a song for one of his projects years ago, and he's he's always been uh, he's always been cool, definitely dope, and uh, we have a lot of uh, we have a lot in common. Like, there's a lot of similarities. Like his approach to the music game and things like that. You know, he, he's independent. So he goes, I, he travels, he throws himself into new environments to see like if he can, you know, gain a fan or two. And he, you know, he's, he's willing to, to, to fight for every inch, you know what I'm saying? Which is, uh, it, it's a lot like, like my story. So we ended up being cool. We did a song, then we did another song. Um, and I had told him like, yo, like that, if we do a song like for my shit, I would rather do a project because it's something that I'd be able to do more with, you know? Right. And, um, I had said it a few times and then finally it was like, Hey, I got this opportunity. 
uh, if you're available, you know, I want to do like an EP. And uh, so we, you know, I wrote stuff here. He wrote stuff there, recorded it there, sent it back. I sent mine and we did it that way. Then we listened to it, but it didn't have that, uh, it didn't have that feeling, you know? So he was like, bro, I'll fly out there. Let's just re-record it. If we got to change a few lines, we'll do that. We'll come up with, you know, we'll just, we'll just glue it together. So he came back out and we, we redid it all. And then, uh, you know, there was some issues with files and things like that. It was kind of a fucking headache, but <laughs> that's usually a big part of it. But, um, but yeah, that's pretty much how it started was just, you know, linking up with him, seeing he was dope, seeing he was hungry, seeing how he did things, having a lot in common. And then like, Hey bro, I want to do this. And, um, I mean, it's it right now, like, you know, it's one of those things where there is no crazy marketing budget. There wasn't 15 grand set aside to do, you know, just marketing, you know, Facebook ads and shit like that. So a lot of it is organic and, um, uh, it's good to see, you know, like he, <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't even paying attention to this, but he started texting links. So I'm like, what is this shit? And, uh, what it was, was there links to sites that are already bootlegging the album before the album dropped. Wow. There were sites that had the album artwork up and they had the release date set. And then they're pretty much like just waiting for it to drop so they can fucking bootleg it to torrent shit or whatever. Right. And I can't re I can't really be mad because, hey, like if it's worth stealing, then it's worth something. Hmm. So that, you know. But, but what do you what do you do with that? So like, what do you do with, I guess, uh I mean, what's the, I guess, what's the backup plan in terms of the, the monetary uh, gain from the creation so, of the EP? I mean, look, calling it what it is, you know, I've done the math on a lot of shit. And a lot of these people that appear to be making a fucking great living off of rap are not. Right. That's, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I think, I think the veil has kind of been uh, pierced on that. People kind of know, you know, they, they rather tune it out and listen to their favorite rappers talk about being, you know, this or that. But having seen the numbers, I'm like, yo, directly from songs, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent. I'm not going to be able to pay for this or that or, or live the life I want to live. So I have to be creative in other ways. Luckily, the fans that I have, the people that support, they like to own stuff like the book, you know, like shirts, like uh, buttons, pins, uh, hoodies, hats. They, they want stuff. So, you know, taking taking notes from Tech 9 and people like that, it's like pe people want a, a, a piece of what you do. The songs are great. It's the soundtrack, you know, it's a part of their life. But if they can wear it and they can have it and they can hang it on their wall, like it's, you know, you know you make a little action figure or something. Right. It's like, like Doom, is a, Doom is a prime example. There's no greater example than Doom. So... I think that that's where I've been able to kind of stay afloat financially is just people that support. And, and sometimes there's been fans that are like, they'll buy a box of CDs. And I'm like, is this dude selling my shit? Like reselling it? Right. I, which I, I don't really give a shit. Like that's awesome. But you know, sometimes they do. And other times they're like, Hey, honestly, I buy them. I put a couple away and I give away the rest. Cause I want people to hear it. And I'm like, damn, that's, pretty dope because you spent a good amount of money on this so you know what i'm saying thank you um but that's pretty much the answer to that like there's no way to stop the bleeding over there right you know? right 
and we obviously did it too. Like, you know, some, you know, mix, you know, bootlegs on the corner, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So, um, yep. obviously it's more accessible now because of the internet, but, um, the 16 shots, uh, featuring, uh, copyright and DJ eyeball. Um, can you talk about the creation of this track and, and kind of, do you have a favorite lyric about on this track? So that was the one that, um, I think that was the last one we did. Um, because it's one of those ones you can't we, we didn't want to do the okay you write a verse I'll write a verse and then we'll just throw it on it because uh, uh, Copy's dope Copy's been dope yeah. so like I already knew he was going to do his thing no question and it, it's not to outdo him but the thing is okay how can we add a different dimension to it so we didn't have anything where we went back and forth yet so I was like yo let's do it on that one it was either my idea or his or we came to the same idea at the same time or whatever so we sat here and we wrote it and uh, usually it's like, yo, I'm going to rhyme off of your last line or whatever, that type of shit, right? And uh, you're reading the shit to each other and like, all right, I got four, you know, let me hear your four. And um, it was one of those. For me, um, just building off of each other, I think um, uh, just the, like for me, trying to add an element of humor to it, uh, he says, uh, uh, dick down your baby mama out of spite. And I was like, oh, that's dope, you know? And then I was like, all right, well, how can I how can I add to that? How can I play off of that? Have her chained to the glory hole. That's how the story goes. Hit her with the DP, double stuff Oreo. Just to kind of make it a little funny, a yeah, little more definitely. graphic, a little more, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it played into what some of the shit, because cop, Copy, he's got a good sense of humor too. So all of that kind of shines through. And um, that one was probably the funnest to make. So... And then Eyeball came through, and what was crazy was there wasn't a big window for him to do scratches. So yeah. when I sent it to him, he's like, yo, bro, I can't, there's not a lot of room. And and he was right. It's like a weird, like, three-and-a-half bar count or some shit like that. And I was like, all right, well, I started digging for samples, and then he ended up showing up, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it, just use this. See if that fits. And then uh, 16 shots, and I was like, all right, cool. And um, we're trying to figure out a title, like literally the day before we got to turn everything in. And we're like, fuck it, let's just call it 16 Shots. We didn't want to call it that, but in the end, it made sense. So that one was pretty fun. Uh, Vultures is the, uh, the, the, I guess it's described as the, 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 it's the leak. It's the second leak, right? This of the, of the album, uh, for the project. Uh, why did you guys decide to have this as the second track to be released? Um, that's a good question. I think it was uh, listening to, um, I think it was either the production uh, or I think it was like kind of more like it was, it was at the high, like the top of our list, his and mine of like the ones that we felt would make the most sense to put out. Um, yeah, that one was, that one was cool too. Cause uh, I wrote the hook, you know, the, the prodigy, the, the mob deep, you know, like, the halfway crooks and all that yeah. and um and spelling it vultures like a vault yeah just you know everybody it just th- those little things that some people might not catch but with the mob deep thing and then you know the vultures you're just talking about people being scavengers and cutting each other's throats and just how the game is and um so the halfway crooks you know i was like okay well if you take two of them it makes a hole so i was like okay a bunch of halfway crooks fitting perfectly together Birds of a feather flying, circling together, bunch of halfway crooks fit perfectly together. So his uh, he's got some dope lines on there. 
And uh, but yeah, it was it was a mutual thing. Like yeah, I think that one's the one we should drop next. So uh, was there a? Uh, I mean, creating this. Uh, you've obviously done this for a fair amount. Of, you know, you, you've done this for a fair amount of time. Um, is there was there a favorite aspect or kind of a story of uh, this album coming together or during the creation of this EP? Shit, you know what? I think it was. <laughs> I think the work that was put into. Uh, gathering the files for whatever reason it blocks out any others in my mind at least like making sure all the stems and you know the 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 backup vocals the dubs and the and the sound effect like all of that for me i guess that process kind of eclipses anything that any other story i could really tell you know what i mean um just because it's it's tedious, so shout out to the engineers, if any, that are listening to this, because uh, you guys don't get enough credit. Like, sitting there and like, where do you want this? Where do you want the explosion? You know, like, sounds good over here, but you want it over there? All right, you know, is it too loud? All right, it's not loud enough. And um, being on that side of it, on this project, I had to put stuff kind of where, I had to make basically like mock mixes to send to the guy. And um, Fezzy. Shout out to Fezzy. Shout out to Fred X. Uh, but yeah, I think that for me is it. But working with them is is dope. We're we're gonna work on a follow up soon. We're hoping to get the whole thing done by like maybe like Stu Bangers or you know a certain producer that has that kind of consistent sonically, creatively. So all across the board, it's it's one producer and us, and uh, do another EP hopefully soon. Uh, I want to go back a little bit. You in 2012, you were asked. Uh, three CDs you can't live without. And you said at the time, Sublime, Sublime, uh, Razkaz, Adidas, and a burn CD your cousin made with classic rock, reggae, and some old hip-hop songs. Fast forward to 10 years later, same three CDs. Are these, can you still, can you live without, are there different three CDs you can't live without or are they the same? You know what? It, it'd probably be the same, but in between those, I'd probably stream uh, some some new shit. Like, it's funny because uh, I played this song the other day. This girl was playing music, and um, she's like, "Yeah, you want to play anything?" And I was like, "Yeah, let me throw this on." And uh, it's Russ, and um, I played it, and she's like, "Oh yeah, this song's good. It's an old song," <laughs> and I'm like, "Is it?" I mean, because I, you know what I'm saying. I don't, I don't, I right. wasn't. I guess I didn't catch it when it came out. Right, right. So to me, to me, it's not old. This shit's just dope. So I was listening to it, and um, uh, but it was just funny because she's like, "Oh yeah, it's an old song," <laughs> and then and then I had to look it up, and I was like, "Yeah, it's five years old, but that's not that old, right?" Yeah, yeah, that doesn't seem old at, at least, all. In, at least in my opinion. But um, it was just funny. But yes, I I'd have to add a little bit of stuff in between those CDs, some newer stuff like uh, I like Daptone Records. Mm-hmm. They're really dope. Um, Manahan Street Band, um, stuff like that. You know what I mean? I, I've I've added that in the rotation. Uh, pause on you. You, you. you know, reading up on you and talking to you now, like this, your story is like very interesting in terms of like going from you know graph to writing, uh, lyricist writing to you know even be you know talking to rascals in prison and stuff like that. Uh, my last question for you is. What 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 has the biggest gift been for you that hip hop has given you that you didn't know was going to be given to you? Um, it's uh, it's weird because it's, it's interconnected with uh, it, it 
I don't want to just say purpose, you know, because that sounds kind of cool. But I think what it did was it gave me an outlet. It gave me an outlet first and foremost was to express myself. And from that, turning it into a business, if you want to call it that, being able to make stuff, you know, write songs, sell vinyl, sell albums, uh, make, make appearances, perform and get paid. That helped me provide for my son. But more importantly, it helped me set an example to my son and my sister that, hey, look, you literally saw where I came from. And you saw what I went through. But I was able to, you know, turn that into this. I'm an alchemist. I was able to turn that into this. And I've been doing my best. So you guys have a little bit more opportunities. Things have changed. But don't use that as an excuse because you saw where I came from. So for me, that's probably the biggest thing, the biggest gift that I've, you know, been given is like, hey, look, he's not a piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? Right. Where, you know, I could have been sleeping under a bridge, you know, on heroin or in prison doing, you know, two, three life sentences or dead. And, um, you know, I've seen all of those things. And uh, I didn't want them to see me doing that because I didn't want them to think that that was an option. Not, that's not even an option. That's not even a fucking alternative. You guys got to do something. So, uh, it's pause one, uh, new EP, Random Acts of Violence with uh, Evolve. Uh, pause one, thank you so much for being on the live, live Rap the Hip Hop and DVs with Tim Heineke. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you, Tim. A shout out to everybody that checked this out. Thank you guys for, for listening to the interview and, and keeping this thing going. What's good, y'all? This is Breeze Bruin from the Mighty Juggernauts. And make sure you subscribe and download the podcast, Library Rap, the hip-hop interviews with Tim Kell, hip-hop journalism on the highest level. Birds of a feather flying, circling together, bunch of halfway crooks fitting perfectly together. Like birds of a feather flying, circling together, bunch of halfway crooks fitting perfectly together. Birds of a feather flying, circling together, bunch of halfway crooks fitting perfectly together. Raised by animals, they know me as Mowgli, so throw me the stogie, my eyes wide looking out for bogeys. Study patterns, how the vultures behave, no reason to rant and rave over a culture I can't save. My words are power like a rifle to a slave, creature siphon energy, similar to vampires, watching out for skinwalkers, gather around a campfire. Spreading rumors, better know the source. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.